Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.30 a.m. on the dot. It's the 22nd day of September 2022. Yesterday was the first day of fall, or at least as, as far as as far as I know. We are now officially out of summer. Thank fucking God. Oh, man, the heat. The heat was killing me, dude. The heat was killing me. All right, so this is episode 618 of Bitcoin and Boost. I've got a Boostagrams, a Pitar. 15,000 sats. Thank you, brother. Boosting the new fountain update. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I got a, a whole Coindesk story on that one today. Uh, then he goes on to say that it worked. If you don't remember, Pitar was trying to boost me like massive amounts of Satoshis and they weren't coming out of his wallet or I weren't, I wasn't getting them, you know, never the tween shall meet. So it looks like Oscar over there at Fountain has uh, done some updating and maybe, maybe the bug fixes uh, that were announced have something to do with what was going on and why I was on top for a, a full week. Um, oh, and he says he misses me too. Uh, yeah, I, I'm always going to miss Pitar. Letter. 6173 with the striper boost as usual 7777 sats every episode has a high signal to noise ratio thank you sometimes i wonder if i'm if i'm too much noise at this point uh, so it's always good to hear somebody doesn't think so uh f dub 7 250 sats this is a note so david doesn't get upset about boost without a note see that's all it takes brother that's all it takes. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for the world. But uh, Diamond Hands, uh, 250 sats, says or asks, do you remember watchmybit.com? It was back in the day and built using layer one way before lightning. But it was cool scanning a QR code paywall. And then after hitting the video or after hitting send, the video would start playing. Ever since lightning, I have been expecting it to relaunch or someone else spin it off. Uh, no, I don't remember that particular service. And I also cannot remember the name of the lightning paywall version of that off the top of my head. But there is one. Yes, somebody has rebuilt it. And I saw it. Oh, God, I saw it a few months back, dude. Uh, so it's out there. But God, for the life of me, I cannot remember what the hell the name of the website is. So that's that, that's on me. User with a bunch of numbers says 50 or sends 50 sats and NW sends 21 sats. How do you like the new town? Have you met any cool farmers yet? Kind of. And um, I guess that's the end of the boost, but that'll take me into the uh, story as to why I did not bring you an episode of Bitcoin and yesterday. Because I went up to a small town north of me um, to go locate where the county's Cattlemen's Association meeting is going to take place tonight at 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. We're still in daylight time. Um, I ended up calling a lot of ranchers uh, yesterday, and I, I literally couldn't get anybody on the phone. Why am I calling ranchers? Because you got to go out and shake your rancher's hand. Yes, I've met a few people at the farmer's markets here. Uh, and the farmer's markets here are different than the panhandle of Texas. Um, I've been to the Amarillo farmer's market. I've been to the Canyon farmer market a lot. When I was living in Lubbock, I went down to the Lubbock, you know, farmer's market every Saturday. Uh, and, you know, I like farmer's markets because you do get a chance to meet the producers. However, most farmers markets, you cannot really put together an entire meal unless you want a steak 
and a whole bunch of squash and vine ripened tomatoes. You, you catching my drift here? Up in eastern Washington, shit's different, bro. There's a lot of people that are concerned about nutrition. There's a lot of people that grow stuff. There's a lot of people that ripped out their front lawns and they have vegetable gardens and nobody's saying jack shit about it. Ain't no Karens around here as near as I can tell. I'm sure they exist, but they're they're certainly not knocking on the doors of people who have ripped out their front lawns and put in vegetable gardens. Uh, it's different and I'm I'm getting used to it. And the farmer's markets here, I can put together several full meals and all of them will be different from a single farmer's market. And I can do that every single Saturday. There is an organic farm up here that is run by uh, the uh, so was, uh, Washington State University. Sorry, guys, the, the Cougars. Um, Washington State University has an organic farm. And you can go every Friday and pick your own produce, apparently. And I haven't done that yet, but this Friday I'm going to go. Anyway, getting back to getting back to the Cattlemen's Association, I the whole reason I even found it <clears throat> was that I called Washington State uh, Beef Association, and I got this woman on the phone, and I was like, I go, look, I'm new. I don't know a soul. I want to go start meeting ranchers. I want to ask them questions about what it is that they do, how do they do it, and just as importantly, why? Why do you do it? Because that, that, that's key. That, that's a real key issue. Why do you do what you do? Especially against, uh, you know, in some cases, these people are operating on razor thin margins because of the way the food system is put up. Um, so she suggested that I go join, which means that I got I to gotta pay out of pocket um, to go and be part of this uh, Cattlemen's Association and it kind of worries me because I'm going to be walking into a room full of ranchers that do this shit every day. I got no hat, no cattle. Plus, I'm a displaced Texan that just moved here. You know, I, I assume that they're going to look at me and laugh. That's, that's what I assume. Now, the woman on the other end of the phone was like, no, that's not going to happen. They're the, these are a great bunch of guys, yada, yada, yada. I went up to, uh, to the town that it's going to be in and uh, went to the place, which is a fencing company. They're having a meeting at a, at a cattle fencing company. And I asked for the owner because he's a rancher as well. And the woman just looked at me and she's like, nah, he's not here. And there was something in her voice like, who the fuck are you? I don't know you. you know, who, who the hell do you think you are walking? That's sort of the way that I kind of felt. And then I just looked at her and I explained, I go, look, I'm coming to the Cattlemen's Association meeting tomorrow night. I'm not going to know a single person. So I thought I'd at least try to meet one of the guys so that I wouldn't, you know, I, that somebody would say, no, 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 he's okay. He's okay. He's, he's, he's joining and blah, blah, blah. And then she said, she goes, oh, okay. No, he's still not. He still wasn't there because he's out probably doing ranching stuff. But she goes, no, don't worry about that shit. They're going to be more than happy to have one more person join, even if you don't, even if you're not a rancher yourself. They're going to be more than happy to have one more person join. So it'll be interesting. That's tonight at 6 p.m. my time. I will report back to you guys how that goes. Uh, and then yesterday, I after that, I ran over to a place called Deary, Idaho, and uh, went to a creamery and I bought raw milk unpasteurized, unhomogenized, raw, straight up raw milk. You know what it looks like? It looks like milk, except it's not in a gallon jug. I could only buy a quart of it. And the quart is six bucks, dude. I'm pretty sure that this whole crew is Mennonite. Not quite sure, but they certainly sew their own clothes. All the women have all their hair up in buns. But unlike the Mennonites where I'm used to down in Lubbock and Amarillo, these guys are really talkative. And so they'll, they'll, you know, if you want to have a discussion with them, they're, they're fine up here. Uh, the ones down in Midland, uh, Lubbock and Amarillo seem to be a little bit more standoffish, but they're still fine, fine people. Um, so yeah, I bought a piece of pie, which was really good and, uh, got some whole milk and I haven't drank it yet. Going to do that today. See how it goes. Uh, see if it affects, uh, my esophagus. If you don't know, I've got something called eosinophilic esophagitis. And uh, all manner of allergens 
will fire it up. And one of the things that fires it up real hardcore is drinking uh, milk. My theory is, is that raw milk won't do that. Am I correct? We shall see. But before, before I come back with a reporter on all that shit tomorrow, let's get into the news today. Guatemala, visit the Guatemalan Lake Town, mining Bitcoin with used cooking oil. Bitcoin Magazine, Namcios, bringing it, bringing it, bringing it. A circular Bitcoin economy in Guatemala is using resources that would otherwise be wasted to fuel a local Bitcoin mining operation, giving its residents financial autonomy and demonstrating a viable economic path outside of government-controlled economy. Patrick Melder, MD, founder of the circular economy coined Bitcoin Lake, told Bitcoin Magazine that its Kaboom mining project is the result of a desire to help clean nearby Lake Atitlan while providing a source of continuous income to the community. Quote, we don't have any major endowment or donations to do what we're doing, he said, underscoring a stark difference with El Salvador's Bitcoin Beach, which was established in part thanks to a donation. Quote, Bitcoin mining was a way to get Bitcoin flowing into the community. End quote. Many attempts to clean the lake had been made before this project, most of which is suffering from a flaw of trying to solve everything all at once. According to Melder, an overhaul approach increases complexity and ends up reducing the likelihood of completion. In, uh, sorry, quote, within the past five years, a major effort to clean the lake costing upwards of $300 million failed because it was so complex with so many large stakeholders who couldn't agree on a solution, he added. Bitcoin Lake took a different approach by starting small with the repurposing of used cooking oil to power Bitcoin mining ASICs. Quote, this cooking oil would either be thrown out into the street or find its way to the landfill, which sits several hundred feet above the lake, Medler explained. Either way, it's going to find its way into the watershed and then into the lake, end quote. By kickstarting this initiative, Melder said he expects to trigger a snowball effect in neighboring communities as they realize cleaning the environment can not only be feasible, but also profitable. Quote, all community leaders and the citizens of the lake are concerned about the environment, but there are limited tools and resources to tackle the problem. So our goal is to create a sliding scale use of wasted slash stranded energy to mine Bitcoin and in the process, clean the lake and create wealth in the communities. It's a sliding scale because in one small community, we may simply have a Kaboom-like project or we may have small biodigesters collecting waste, end quote. <clears throat> Sorry, Melder used to travel with his family to the city of Ponchichal, Guatemala every summer during his daughter's undergraduate school years. But after they graduated from college, those trips to the Central American country came to an end. However, Melder and his wife kept seeking ways to come back. It wasn't too long until he found out that Bitcoin, about Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, which ultimately inspired him to travel once more to Ponchichal and start Bitcoin Lake. Quote, my desire was to bring the Bitcoin beach model to Panchachal, which is a beautiful town on Lake Atitlan in the Guatemalan highlands, he wrote back in 2021, uh, detailing the vision for his project. In addition to cleaning up the lake, Melder detailed in that blog post the other goals that Bitcoin Lake would set out to achieve from the start, including helping a local education center and creating economic opportunities for the small but vibrant Guatemalan town. Since then, Bitcoin has been at the forefront of the project's work. Everything we do in the community is related to Bitcoin, said Melder. It is either funded by Bitcoin, teaches about Bitcoin, or is taught or implemented by Bitcoiners. Our three goals in the community are to teach about Bitcoin, create a Bitcoin circular economy, and clean the environment with Bitcoin mining as an economic incentive, end quote. While Bitcoin Lake tackles the latter, the other two goals have not been sidelined. On the education front, the project has helped introduce Bitcoin-related coursework to the local education center, Centro Educativo Jose. The children there are taught about every aspect of Bitcoin from what is money, what is inflation, why Bitcoin is created, to the basics of Bitcoin mining, setting up a, full, a Bitcoin full known, etc., etc., Melder detailed, we are proud to say 
that we have been doing this since January of 2022, developing our own curriculum along the way, and we've had Bitcoiners from around the world come and help. The work that began at the local school has since proliferated to a broader audience in the town, Melder said, in an attempt to help folks of all ages learn more about the world of peer-to-peer digital money. Quote, we've held Bitcoin educational meetings for adults and business owners in the community and striven to include the indigenous community leaders as well, he said. With a better understanding of the technology, adoption is facilitated as users and business owners aren't caught off guard or coerced into using Bitcoin. Rather, a movement begins naturally. Quote, since we've started in January of this year, we've onboarded over 60 businesses in and around Panchichal and in Guatemala as a whole. We have about 200 businesses that we have onboarded to accept Bitcoin, Melder explained. As awareness about Bitcoin grows and adoption keeps increasing, the community is set to keep expanding its initiatives on the mining front. Melder expects to further develop the repurposing of wasted and stranded resources to increase the community's steady income and improve the efficiency of the lake's cleanup even more. Quote, our environmental cleanup slash Bitcoin mining initiative just started, but will grow to the point that in about a year, we can actually take unsorted landfill waste, new or old, and turn it into clean energy sources to mine Bitcoin with, Medler forecasted. We are working with a group out of the UK to bring this to life, and it will have a major impact in Panchachal and Guatemala as we now have an economic incentive to clean the massive waste issue that exists in Guatemala and in most developing countries. We are proud that we will be the first with this technology. So there you go. Thank you, Nam Cios, for bringing that to us. Now, I've talked about this lake, uh, lake project a couple of times before. This is pretty much kind of like a way more detailed uh, take on what's going on down there. But the pictures, there's a couple pictures here that are just downright fright, frightening with how they're handling garbage. Um, we'll get into it. If you want to see some of the, a couple of those pictures, you might want to go uh, check out this article. Again, it's Bitcoin Magazine entitled Visit the Guatemalan Lake Town Mining Bitcoin with Used Cooking Oil. Honestly, guys, you might want to consider not using cooking oil unless it's pure animal fat. I, I, I'm getting there. Uh, you know, I've almost got, I've got one, there's one more link in the chain that I got to bust. And that's my wife grew up kind of in the South and Crisco was what everybody used when she was a little girl. She just can't wrap her head around melting lard into a pan to fry chicken in. She can't do it. I've, I've, I've got her to do it one, you know, some like, oh, there was one thing that she cooked and I'm like, I, I brought home peanut oil. Yeah, I know, gag. And I brought home a can of Masteca lard. And I go, would you please consider using the lard for this particular dish instead of the seed oil? Because I'm telling you the shit is keeping us inflamed. So she did. And it was delicious. And what's neat about lard and animal fat, when you melt it, because it's at room temperature, it's a solid, you melt the animal fat down, you use it as cooking oil. When the heat goes away, guess what? It's, it solidifies back up. If you got to chuck it in the trash, and I know we shouldn't, you know, hopefully one of these days we'll just be able to throw it into like, I don't know, something where it just automatically burns on the side of the house uh, with a Bitcoin mining rig. But until that time, you're probably having to dump your oil, not down the drain because that'll screw up your sewer, but in the trash. And it's gooey and you get, I mean, it's like, you got to take it all the way out. I, I'm not going to throw liquid cooking oil into my trash can inside the house, which means I got to take it all the way to the freaking dumpster lard and tallow and stuff like that will solidify back up and it's much easier to dispose of and it's healthier for you. It is. Please believe me. If you don't trust me, if you don't believe me, go look at it for yourself. JP Morgan is looking at it for itself. JP Morgan sees concerns for Ethereum blockchain after the merge, according to Coindesk's uh, Will Canny. JP Morgan 
spelled out some concerns about the Ethereum blockchain following the network's transition to a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism, a process that was called the merge. The change earlier this month spurred a hard fork, splitting the blockchain into two chains and giving rise to an offshoot chain called Ethereum Proof-of-Work. Some exchanges and platforms have shown support for the forked version, which still uses proof-of-work verification, and at least 19 former Ether mining pools are active on it. JP Morgan said in a research note on Wednesday, the fork chain could divide the Ethereum community, the firm said. A second concern is that the blockchain has become less decentralized, the bank said, quote, as just a few entities command the majority share of staked ETH, end quote. <laughs> JP Morgan noted that the price of Ether has declined sharply. This drop was probably caused by a combination of buy the rumor, sell the news flows specific to Ethereum's merge event together with widespread weakness in risky assets as a result of more hawkish central banks, the report said. The merge is the first of five upgrades planned for the blockchain. Meanwhile, a move to backwardation in the futures market is a manifestation of the shift towards more bearish sentiment in crypto markets in recent week, the note said. Backwardation occurs when the spot price of an asset is higher than its futures price, in terms of mining, Ethereum Classics token has been the main beneficiary of the merge as the network's hash rate has doubled with the tokens of other graphics processing unit compatible proof-of-work blockchains such as Ravencoin and Ergo also witnessing big increases, the note added. So even JP Morgan sees the writing on the wall, but moreover, the merge didn't do anything for not for for reducing energy use electricity usage it did nothing nothing at all it didn't do a damn thing and that would that was that was the main sell point except that guess what nowhere nowhere did vitalik or any of the ethereum developers ever say not only will the merge reduce ethereum's main chain energy usage we are going to make sure or we guarantee that all the GPU processors will shut down and they won't use, they won't go to other chains and they won't be using electricity. They never said that. Not once. Not once. All they said is that it would reduce electricity usage by what? 0.2% or something like that as far as the global worldwide energy usage of cryptocurrencies. And it was all bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors. It was just, it's just a ruse. And a ruse to do what? Basically for everybody that had the pre-mind to take command of the Ethereum blockchain and to tell you what transactions you can make in the future. And guess what? They're going to be regulatorily captured by every government on the face of the planet. So if you thought you were getting out of all that bullshit by uh, taking a dump on Bitcoin and going to Ether, think again. Bahrain approves Bitcoin crypto payments for over 5,000 merchants. This is Bitcoin Magazine. Sean Amick is writing it. The Central Bank of Bahrain has approved EasyPay, an online payments platform to launch Bitcoin and cryptocurrency payments in the region, per an announcement from the company's CEO, Nayef Alawi. Binance, a leading cryptocurrency exchange and payment services provider, partnered with EasyPay, enabling over 5,000 point-of-sale terminals and payment gateways in Bahrain to accept Bitcoin. Users in the area looking to use Bitcoin as payment will be prompted with a QR code from EasyPay's terminal, which can then be scanned. Oh, advertisement just popped up right there. Sorry. Which can then be scanned with the Binance app, allowing almost instant payments with the chosen currency. Additionally, Binance offers convenience for businesses such as EasyPay and the merchants who choose to leverage the platform by enabling instant fiat conversions from the merchant. Sorry, for the merchant. Khalid Hamad, executive director of the banking supervision at the Central Bank of Bahrain, reportedly congratulated EasyPay on gaining approval from the bank. Additionally, the CEO of Binance celebrated that EasyPay would be the first regulated and approved Bitcoin and cryptocurrency payment services offered in the Middle East and North African uh, region. Quote, our strategic partnership between EasyPay and Binance is a historic regional and local milestone for both companies in the payments field, said Alawi. 
He concluded by thanking the CBB for their support toward launching this product, which empowered EasyPay to provide its valued merchants and customers with competitive and innovative payment services, which cements Easy's position as the leading POS and online payment gateway provider in the kingdom of Bahrain, end quote. Oh, God, put a tie on the suit speak. Recently, the Kingdom of Bahrain, in collaboration with the CBB and OpenNode, began testing Bitcoin payments through the central bank's financial sandbox platform. All right, well, so Bahrain ain't exactly small potatoes. I mean, it's certainly not the UAE, right? You know, it's not Dubai, but it ain't exactly... This is... Kind of, kind of a big thing. Is it good for Bitcoin? Of course it's good for Bitcoin. Will it turn the price around? Dude, we're in a bear market. Just deal with it, okay? Because Russia is going to. Russian officials approve the use of crypto for cross-border payments. As per a report, Turner Wright may be telling us more about what's going on with this whole Russia thing from Cointelegraph. The Bank of Russia and the country's Ministry of Finance have reportedly reached an agreement allowing cross-border settlements in cryptocurrencies. According to a Thursday report from the Russia-based publication Commerçant, Russia's Deputy Finance Minister Alexei Moisev said the government department has agreed on the whole with the central bank over a rule that would let residents send cross-border payments using cryptocurrencies. The proposed policy change was aimed at allowing Russian nationals access to digital wallets. Quote, the policy generally describes how to acquire cryptocurrency, which or what can be done with it, and how it can or cannot be settled with it in the first place in cross-border settlements, said Moisev, according to the report. Man, that's a that's kind of a mouthful right there. Sorry, guys. Russian news agencies had been reporting that the central bank had been discussing the issue of cross-border crypto payments with government officials. However, the Bank of Russia reportedly opposed allowing crypto exchanges to operate legally and not accepting cryptocurrency as legal tender. On September the 5th, Moisev said, quote, Now that people are opening crypto wallets outside of the Russian Federation, it is necessary to do this in Russia with entities supervised by, of course, the central bank, which are required to comply with anti-money laundering and know your customer requirements, end quote. Honestly, Russia should just shit can KYC. I mean, just a big F you to the rest of the world saying, you know what? Nah, it's a free for all over here, brothers. Russia has had a mixed relationship with crypto. In 2020, the country passed legislation prohibiting its use, including Bitcoin, for payments. Uh, President Vladimir Putin also signed a bill into law back in July banning digital financial assets as payments. In May, Trade Minister Denis Monturov suggested Russia would legalize crypto payments sooner rather than later. Uh, since Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February, the government, businesses, and certain individuals within the country have been the target of comprehensive economic sanctions. On September the 15th, the United States Treasury Department added 22 individuals and two Russia-based entities to the sanctions list, claiming that they had furthered the government's objectives in Ukraine. Okay, so Ford didn't make anything for the war effort in World War II. Now, I'm not saying I'm not defending the whole fucking thing, okay? But, of course, they're going to have their businesses do shit for their war effort, which they think is the proper thing to do. Of course they are. Nobody sanctioned Ford. Nobody, nobody sanctioned any of the United States companies that were, that were helping that shit. You know, and we're still buying Hugo Boss. Why do I mention Hugo Boss? Close. Because they're the guys that designed and tailored all of the Russian uniforms, especially the dress uniforms, like the SS shit. You know, they're actually, they look cool because they're like high quality clothes, but they were servicing the Nazi regime. And yet somebody somewhere is getting a Hugo Boss catalog delivered to their American home right now and they don't give a fuck. Tell me about hypocrisy one more time. Now, let's get to that Fountain thing. Fountain is not a, a, a sponsor of this podcast, but I always recommend people use Fountain because it's easy to use and it's just getting better. Bitcoin Lightning enabled Listen to Earn podcast app gets an upgrade. Frederick Munawa from Coindesk 
Bitcoin Listen to Earn podcast app Fountain Podcast or Fountain app now allows its listeners to get paid in Bitcoin for their first hour of listening per day. Founded last year, Fountain uses the Lightning Network, a layer two network built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain that helps make Bitcoin transactions faster and cheaper to pay listeners in Bitcoin. Users get rewarded for listening to podcasts, engaging with promotional content, referring friends, and creating user-generated content. According to Fountain, its previous system, Flow, wasn't intuitive. Listeners felt the mechanics behind the model were vague and unrewarding. Quote, We've been looking closely at the data and gathering lots of useful feedback from users. Clearly, the flow system has not been working. This is why we are launching a new earning system that is more simple, intuitive, and transparent. Most importantly, it will allow users to earn more over time, the company stated in a blog post. Nick Malster and Oscar Mary founded Fountain back in 2021 after being inspired by Adam Curry's Podcasting 2.0 project, an initiative that seeks to advance and decentralize podcasting. They combined this inspiration with their passion for Bitcoin and some pre-seed funding from crypto investor Anthony Pompliano, and Fountain Podcast was born. Quote, we saw that what Adam Curry was doing with Podcast Index the idea that value can be sent from the listener to the creator directly as they listen. So we thought, what if we can allow podcast listeners to earn Bitcoin as they're listening, said Malster in an interview with Coindesk. In order to get paid, listeners download the Fountain app and start listening to their favorite podcast shows. The podcast selection on Fountain is similar to traditional podcast apps like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Users earn Satoshis, or SATs, at a random rate for their first hour of listening. Payment is made to a built-in wallet hosted by Fountain. Users can also earn Bitcoin by listening to promoted content and referring friends and family to Fountain. Earned Bitcoin can be transferred out or used to pay for likes and comments. Users can also fund their in-app wallet with BTC if they want to increase their engagement level. Quote, Withdrawals are not available immediately, but are unlocked after further listening. If you listen to podcasts regularly, you will be able to cash out within a week or so, Malster told Coindesk. More creative listeners can create clips of their favorite episodes, and if other listeners engage with those clips by liking or commenting, the creators of the clips receive Bitcoin from that engagement. Clips can be created, edited, and published within the app for free. Uh, podcasters get paid when listeners choose to pay them. First, a podcast creator must download Fountain and claim their show. Podcasts are distributed via publicly available RSS feeds that have emails associated with them. Access to an email associated with a podcast feed allows you to claim that podcast. Once a show has been claimed, the owner can automatically earn Bitcoin whenever listeners elect to pay a small streaming rate, sats per minute, to support the show, or when listeners pay to post comments known as boosts in the Fountain app, Fountain also offers a premium version for a monthly fee. The subscription allows listeners to create custom playlists and send payments without incurring transaction fees. Quote, so with Fountain Premium, you get a few additional features, some new clipping tools, the ability to create playlists of your clips, but again, the revenue that we get from Fountain Premium goes back into paying users, Malster said. Fees are Fountain's lifeblood. The company makes money by taking a cut of all payments. For example, when non-premium users send payments to support podcasters, Fountain takes a cut. The company also takes a 20% fee from funds paid by podcasters who want to promote their content. The non-conventional aspect of its business model is built on maintaining a budget to pay listeners. Quote, that money goes back into paying the listeners. So we really optimize our business model to be able to continue paying our regular listeners who come to Fountain every day to allow them to keep on earning, Malster said. So I, I hope if, you, if you're not using uh, Fountain now, I hope that uh, that particular article kind of lets you know what the hell's going on with it and why you probably should consider using it. And like I said, man, you know, I, I've been using it for ever since they fixed the heating up the battery in my phone bug. I've been using it religiously ever since. And I used to use, uh, oh, I can't even, I, oh, not SoundCloud. Um, I can't remember the, I can't even remember the name of the podcatcher I was using. 
And it doesn't matter because this one is so good, I don't need my other podcatcher. And this one allows me to get sats. You can see it. You Literally at the very top, when you're listening to the episode of whatever is lightning enabled, there's a little spinning thing around a lightning icon and it shows how many sats that you're that you're receiving. And I can get, you know, depends on the podcast, but I've been I've gotten 350 sats from listening to an episode of like um oh uh the survival podcast. If you haven't tried it, probably good idea to do it, but we got to run the numbers. Let's check out what the hell's going on in the markets. West Texas Intermediate up almost a full point to $83.69 a barrel. Brent North Sea up almost a full point back to $90.63 a barrel. Natural gas is the biggest loser of the day. 5.78% of the downside coming in at $7.32 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline up 1.18% to $2.51. Uh, gold and the rest of the shiny metal rocks having a good day. Uh, 0.43% to the upside for gold, 1682 bucks per ounce. Uh, silver up 0.72. Platinum is actually down. It's the only one that's down almost a full point. Copper up scant. Palladium up a full 2.5 points. Uh, agriculture, what's going on? It's mixed. Biggest winner today is going to be wheat at 1.8% to the upside. Your biggest loser today is rough rice, 1.3% to the downside. Like I said, everything else is mixed. Uh, Dow down 0.12%. S&P down 0.5%. NASDAQ down almost a full point. S&P mini down 1.78%. If you didn't know, FOMAC meeting happened yesterday and they uh, increased the rate 0.75 or 750 how does it, 75 basis points is 0.75%. I can't remember exactly how that works. But Bank of England followed today by raising their rates uh, a full half point. So, you know, there you go. That's one of the reasons why everything is bleh. Uh, we have a uh, weakness in Bitcoin as well, $19,016. That's after 3 million Bitcoin have been changed, have changed hands in the last 24 hour period. We have 11.76 BTC as the average transaction value, the median transaction value coming in at 0.025 BTC or 483 bucks. Block times are high, 10 minutes, 22 seconds. 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. Almost 14 BTC taken in fees overall in the past 24 hour period. And with a 4.65% loss of hash rate, we're at 223.9 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, is still under six United States pennies, coming in at 5.9 pennies. We have 6,500 transactions waiting on four blocks to clear. Market capitalization of $363.7 billion is 3.29% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 11.4 ounces of shiny metal rock with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,157,617.17 of, and 4,813.9 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $91.4 million dollars being run over 17,208 nodes, sporting 85,161 payment channels, and 69.9% of all of that is being run over Tor. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news you can use. I should have linked these things together, but we'll start off with this one. JP Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon says crypto tokens and Bitcoin are decentralized Ponzi schemes. Apparently he doesn't really know how a Ponzi scheme works. Tim Hockey gonna illustrate the ignorance here from decrypt.co. Speaking in congressional testimony on Wednesday, Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan, said he was a major skeptic of crypto tokens like Bitcoin and called them decentralized Ponzi schemes. Quote, the notion that it's good for anybody is unbelievable. 
Diamond said, pointing to the use of cryptocurrencies and ransomware attacks, sex trafficking, and of course, money laundering for the children. Diamond also spoke about stablecoins, which are cryptocurrencies pegged to the value of fiat currencies. They're typically backed by cash or material assets. In some cases, their value may be controlled by an algorithm. The most famous example of an algorithmic stablecoin, TerraUSD, imploded back in May, wiping $83 billion from decentralized finance and reducing Terra's ecosystem to basically nothing. Diamond argued that a, quote, properly regulated stablecoin would not be a problem and added that he sees value in decentralized finance, blockchain, and tokens that do something. He added that JP Morgan is a big user of blockchain. Fucking embarrassing. The JP Morgan chief has a long history of offering up mixed messages in crypto. In 2014, he was an early no-coiner telling CNBC that Bitcoin was a terrible store of value and that the cryptocurrency can be replicated over and over. Over the years, Diamond has called the leading cryptocurrency a fraud and fool's gold. But in 2019, JP Morgan launched its own US dollar peg stablecoin, JPM coin. The bank also allows its wealth management clients to buy into Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bcash, and Ethereum Classic, or certain related products from Grayscale and Osprey. Diamond told attendees at the annual meeting for the Institute of International Finance last year that he personally thinks Bitcoin is worthless. However, in a letter to shareholders earlier in April, he wrote, quote, Decentralized finance and blockchain are real new technologies that can be deployed in both public and private fashion, permissioned or not. Diamond's letter also said J.P. Morgan is at the forefront of these innovations. So Jamie Diamond clearly doing his weird shit. He's, say, he's talking out of one side of his mouth and J.P. Morgan, the entity itself, is doing something completely different. It's not like they don't know that there's two messages going out. It's, they know that Jamie Dimon is saying something and the bank is doing something completely different. They're allowing people to get into Bitcoin. And yet Jamie Dimon is calling the very thing that his company, that he is the head of, the people that his clients are buying, what he calls a Ponzi scheme. What is that supposed to do? I don't know. I, I, I could pontificate on this shit about, you know, uh, have, holding, you know, what's that thing where you hold two differing ideas in your head at the same time and it causes mental confusion. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But what's very clear is that Jamie Dimon, JP Morgan's marketing arm and JP Morgan's physical banking arm all know that they are sending a mixed message. The question is, why? You think about that. And if you need something to write in a boostagram, you can write that shit. Tell me what you think about that. Bitcoin will replace Swift before it replaces Visa Shinobi. This is kind of a long one, but it's from Bitcoin Magazine. So, and it's Shinobi. So it's probably chock full of good information. Let's find out. With the advent of the Lightning Network, the notion of Bitcoin as a means of exchange has been taking off in the last few years in terms of dominant narratives in this space again. Ultimately, that is a necessary component of something that is aiming to become money. Storing value is meaningless in the context of money without the ability to easily exchange it, and Lightning is the most promising tool at this point in order to truly scale the ability to do that. Conceptually, though, the majority of the focus means of exchange, or sorry, Conceptually, though, the majority of the focus of means of exchange as a functionality has been around consumers fulfilling the needs of your average person and their day-to-day -day needs in purchasing groceries, shopping online, paying for services, etc. This is not the only scale of exchange in an economy. Businesses pay suppliers. They have to pay for contractors or services as well. International shipping companies need to receive money from all over the world from their customers most of which are not consumers, but businesses. Imports flow all over the world at massive scale and need to deal with the complexity of foreign currency exchanges between many different national currencies. Medium of exchange does not mean that people... Medium of exchange does not just mean people paying for their coffee. The entire function 
of medium of exchange happens at every level and scale of the economy for purchases of much larger value than your daily Starbucks latte. Why are we still talking about coffee purchases? Honestly, this is where Bitcoin will begin to really shine sustainably at scale as a medium of exchange, not Joe buying his coffee every day. Swift processes around $5 trillion of payments every day about $1.25 quadrillion a year. One needs look no further than numerous Russian banks being cut off from the SWIFT system to see the potential risks in relying on it in order to settle international payments. This follows a curved distribution where 5% of the overall payments processed account for 95% of the value. And the vast majority of payments are for much lower sums, the average payment being $400,000 and the median of $5,000 as of October 2010. So very large value payments account for the vast majority of value transferred across the network, but that remaining small percent of value is distributed across a very large variety of individual actors making small payments that are still in the grand scheme, not a small amount of money. This distribution actually shows why SWIFT is ripe for disruption by Bitcoin in the latter category. As I brought up in this article in March discussing this same topic in the context of explicit sanctions evasion, the key limiting factor of using Bitcoin to process conventional payments denominated in fiat currencies is liquidity. I broke down how even if 100% of the mining hash rate in Iran, which is 5% of the network, was completely owned by the government and they were retaining 100% of the proceeds, they could acquire $700 million worth of Bitcoin a year to pay for imports. That is in the grand scheme, not really much. Iran imported $38 billion of goods in 2020. $700 million is just a fraction of that. This dynamic changes. When you start to consider a country that is thriving in, with a thriving fiat market for Bitcoin, the situation with Iran was them considering burning oil in place of being able to export it directly for sale and using Bitcoin mining to fill that gap. The problem is that it is limited by how much mining hardware they can get their hands on. Consider a country that is not so heavily sanctioned but potentially at risk of it that can still export things and has a thriving Bitcoin to fiat market with a volume of $10 million per day. If people from across the world were willing to pay for exports from that country with Bitcoin, there is a $10 million a day market that could convert that into fiat every day. That's potentially $10 million of money coming into the country every day to pay for exports. That's $3.6 billion a year. Now, imagine a $100 million a day market volume. That's $36 billion a day. That's almost Iran's yearly imports from 2020. Now imagine that last 5% of value processed by SWIFT that makes up 95% of all the individual transactions. Imagine all of the different businesses and individuals making international payments that fit inside that bucket of payments. As long as the source country has the liquidity in a fiat Bitcoin market to allow someone making a payment to buy it, and the destination country has enough liquidity for the receiver to sell it, Bitcoin is a perfect vehicle to process that international payment with minimal slippage and fees and settle it within the span of just a few blocks. Add the Lightning Network into the picture, and that can be settled within seconds. The more speculative liquidity surrounding Bitcoin, the more value can be processed in such a system between different jurisdictions to facilitate international commerce. You don't even need to be a sanctioned country of entity to see the value in this. A settlement can be literally instant. SWIFT can take days, even weeks sometimes, depending on where money is moving between and the checks that SWIFT runs over a payment. Bitcoin removes that delay and removes the potential for a third party to stop the payment from occurring. It boils things down to only the two points of exchange between fiat and Bitcoin in the prospective jurisdictions in terms of counterparty risk the two transactors are exposed to. Even that, however, can be removed by simply custody custodying and controlling the Bitcoin yourself directly. The only risk at that point is then the volatility of Bitcoin itself. This too can be dealt with. 
At the simplest level, a small portion of the Bitcoin a company is holding can be deposited to an exchange with futures products and with leverage can be used to short the Bitcoin price in order to hedge against the volatility. 10x leverage means you only need to put 10% of your Bitcoin on such a platform to hedge that exposure. If the Bitcoin price goes up and your short is liquidated, the price appreciation of Bitcoin will make up for that and leave you with the same amount of fiat value. If the value goes down, then the money you make on the short position will make up for the depreciating value of Bitcoin and you will still have the same amount of fiat value. Discrete log contracts even offer the possibility to hedge against price volatility of Bitcoin natively on the network itself through a smart contract. This allows you to directly control the Bitcoin, have contracts settle right back into your control in self-custody when it closes, and even allows for the use of multiple price oracles so that trust is not placed in a single one to honestly report the price of Bitcoin. People act like Bitcoin has to hit the point of hyper-Bitcoinization in order to become a major backbone of processing payments in the world or to become a system as important to the economy as SWIFT. It doesn't. Market volume of a certain level means that that amount of Bitcoin is being actively bought and sold. That means demand is there to regularly process purchases and sales of Bitcoin within that value range during whatever time period you are analyzing. The same goes for futures markets. Whatever volume is present there is available for people who want to custody the Bitcoin themselves instead of being exposed to counterparty risk to hedge against that volatility and not have their businesses ruined if the price of Bitcoin suddenly crashes down to a massive degree. Bitcoiners have become so focused on the notion of grassroots adoption, which is not itself a bad thing, as that is absolutely a necessary aspect of Bitcoin adoption to truly become an actual money. But they have begun losing sight of the other side of that coin. Large players, large value settlement. Bitcoin is ripe for a massive disruption of systems like SWIFT. And at the rate the world is becoming both politically and economically unstable, I think that time is going to come sooner rather than later. I think that Bitcoin and Lightning will start seeing widespread adoption by businesses as an alternative to SWIFT and other settlement systems before it sees widespread adoption as a means of consumer payment. It's simply easier to convince a few thousand businesses of the value add and utility and get the work done to integrate there than it is to convince hundreds of millions of people of the value add and get the work done to integrate it there. It would also probably make the job of the latter easier if the former was accomplished first, as most people tend to follow in the footsteps of things that seem credible. What could add more credibility in the minds of your average person than constantly hearing how Bitcoin is used to settle international business payments and dragging business away from conventional settlement systems? Okay, Shinobi is, he's, He's a great guy in the space and he, he, he writes really, really well. And it's not that I disagree with him. It's, I don't know. There's some phrasing in here that I kind of don't like, but honestly, whoop-de-doo. I mean, just because I don't like something doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, I think, I just, I still think going towards both. I don't think, I don't think it's necessary to, to convince a whole bunch of Bitcoiners to go one path or or a different path. I think it's probably easier to just tell you guys from me to you, do whatever the hell it is that you think needs to be done, wherever the hell it is you are that that needs to be done the way you need it done. If, you, if you're in a position where you can convince a massive bank to start helping with international payments with Bitcoin, then fucking A, go right ahead. If you're some dweeb like me on the street that's just some guy who's going to go to a cattlemen's association meeting and hoping on meeting a couple of ranchers, then work there. Work both sides of the street. We'll be like street hookers, okay? We'll work both sides, coming and going. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that's, I think that that's the real way to go. We don't eschew one in favor of the other. We favor both. I think that that's the most important way to go. Uh, Coinbase is entering the Netherlands with central bank approval. I know you guys and me, we don't like Coinbase, but they're, they're going to the Netherlands. <laughs> Helen Parts tells us way more from Cointelegraph, the United States cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase. 
continues its aggressive expansion into Europe with the latest regulatory approval coming from the land of tulips. Coinbase officially announced on Thursday that it had received registration from the Netherlands Bank. Yeah, I butchered it, whatever. The Central Bank of the Netherlands. The regulatory approval allows Coinbase to offer its retail and institutional crypto products in the Netherlands. According to the official DNB records, Coinbase is one of the major international exchanges approved by the Dutch Central Bank to operate cryptocurrency services alongside smaller local crypto firms. Coinbase Europe Limited and Coinbase Custody International are listed on DNB's public register uh, as crypto service providers. So that's, I mean, the, we could go on, but we're, we're kind of getting out of time. So Coinbase going to the land of tulips. God, the irony, whatever. Uh, ATMs in Greece, uh, not actually being used by tourists in a record tourist season. Now, Savannah Fortis wrote it for Cointelegraph, but I'm just going to kind of break it down for you here. Greece saw millions of people come to their country because, I don't know, I don't know why. Greece is a great destination to go to, I suppose. I've never been there myself, seen pictures, looks lovely, and I hear great things about it, but that's where people went, and they had a record number of tourists, and people are going there anyway, and yet this year, they, this summer, they saw a record number of tourists, and they weren't really using the Bitcoin ATMs. The local guys that are interested in cryptocurrency in Greece, yeah, they're using the crypto ATMs, but tourists, not so much. Is that bad? Not really. Then what is it? It's a signpost that says, you're early. We've been early for a long time. We're going to be early for a lot longer. We have to deal with it. I wish I was 15 years old and was in the position that I'm in right now. I wish, but I'm not. You know, I'm on the other, I'm on the other side of that downhill slope of, of, of humans. You know, won't, you know, one of these days, you know, I've been, I've, I've got a lot, I've got a lot more days behind me than I've got in front of me. That's just fact, right? And I'm still looking at this going, when are we not going to be early anymore? And I realize that that's just a human frailty. It's just a human weakness. You know, maybe what I should be concentrating on is not eating seed oils. You know, trying to stay away from sugar and carbohydrates, eating more animal protein, more animal fat. Maybe I should exercise even more. Maybe I should take longer walks. I don't know. Maybe I should be focused on trying to live a good, healthy life as long into the future as possible instead of doing shit like saying, I wish it was, I wish the early was already over. Because that is a recipe to become disillusioned. You don't want to get disillusioned off this, man. You, you, you don't. And I can feel some of y'all out there, man. This is like, especially if this is your first bear market. Yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? It certainly does. This is my third one, <laughs> I think. And I'm kind of used to it now. And it, it blows. It really does. I, I, I agree. But once you... Once you understand what's going on in the macro landscape that is the clown world dumpster fire circus, and you look back inward at what Bitcoin does, what it does, not what it says it does, not what other people think it does, what it actually does, then disillusionment becomes much harder to attain. And we should start looking at other things like long life, a healthy life, not just long, high quality as well. Readjust what we, we, not we, I, I have to readjust what I think wealth is. I grew up thinking it was a lot of money. I don't think that that's what it is anymore. And some people will say, well, that's because you never got rich. So of course you're going to readjust. You may be right. You may be right. I don't know. But I know a lot of people, like my grandma was happy as a clam until the day we put her in the ground. And she was never wealthy. And she lost three of her four sons while she was alive. And she lost her husband when she was in her late 40s, early 50s. And yet she was happy because she had a wealth I couldn't put my finger on. It certainly wasn't money. 
It wasn't a big house. She lived in a bungalow on, you know, 45th Street in Oklahoma City from the time that I met her as a baby to the time she died. It was a two bedroom, one bathroom bungalow. They had six people or they had five people living in that house at one time. Yes, there's four brothers, but one was born very, very late. <clears throat> I'm just saying, can you imagine three boys, a husband and yourself chilling out in a gantry kitchen, a small dining room, two bedrooms and one tiny ass bathroom in the middle of the heat of Oklahoma City? Damn, dude, that's that's amazing. But we got jokes to tell. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. Mm, what kind of prize do you give someone who hasn't moved a muscle in over a year? A trophy. I'm going to let you chew on that one. Uh, if you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. I use Fountain App. You should use Fountain App as well. But if you don't want to use Fountain App, there are a whole bunch of podcasting 2.0 apps. Uh, is it newapp.org or newpodcastingapp.org? Something like uh, Just Google new podcasting app, all one word, or DuckDuckGo or whatever, Brave, the Brave search engine, which is what I use. Uh, and see if you can find it. I keep forgetting to have that shit on, on hand. Um, well, it is what it is. Anyway, guys, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day. <laughs>